Well, good morning. I'm Rick Dancer. <clears throat> it is Monday, and we have a show tonight that you're going to love with a young man <clears throat> named George Beverly. And I am super excited to bring that to you tonight because I think it's a fresh perspective on everything that we uh, have going on in our culture. But I also wanted to talk to you about some things going on with just me. Um, and uh, it's funny before I get on here to do this, I hesitate because there are so many people who like to pick and pick and pick. But I'm also uh, reading a book and it's talking about the difference between being courageous and being a coward. And we live in a world that really promotes cowardice. And I am not going to be a coward. Um, and I just refuse. Um, so this is an interesting little story. A gentleman um, named Matthias from Germany, Bonn, Germany, uh, was watching an interview that I did with Bob Welch. And the point of telling you this story, for those of you who watch, will that you'll understand. For those of you who hate, uh, you will find your own motive for that. And I cannot stop that at all. <clears throat> but this guy is changing the way I think about myself. And... I think it's really healthy to kind of to kind of examine your life from time to time and see what is it that I really want to do and what is it that I'm doing and, and taking a stand for not a position, a right or left position, but kind of doing what you feel is the right thing to do. And culture will come screaming down your throat as soon as you do, because there's nothing more threatening than courageous people. Um, People love to, to have people cower before them, uh, but I'm not going to do that. So anyway, Matthias, uh, this super cool guy, writes this letter to Bob Welch after we do this interview on um, Bob's new book. And he says in the letter, I'm, I'm reading it and I'm kind of going, God, Rick, you know, who's this Rick guy? Why doesn't he get to the start talking about saving my enemy and the book and everything? And then he says, but then I started to understand that it wasn't just about the book. I was fascinated by the way Rick questioned you and your talk in general. He has a great way of asking, and it was fun to watch you interact. Um, his approach was different from what other people were doing. Bob's on a, a, a tour, so he's got different people interviewing him all the time. And because I've been listening to Jordan Peterson and how he asks questions and Joe Rogan and how they, they ask – I, they have a conversation. I think sometimes in life we think that things are supposed to ebb and flow the way they are, um, and and they can't. Uh, you have to. That's what, that's the beauty of a podcast. That's why television is dying, is because they have five minutes. Here's what you get, and they decide what that information is. But here, it's a conversation that ebbs and flows and moves. Um, so anyway, uh, Matthias goes on to say. He's talking about the stories and how all these different things came up. And he watched my face. It's kind of funny to have somebody different um, listening to you because you guys are used to me. So it's kind of interesting to have somebody uh, different uh, kind of watch what you're doing. And he said, I understood then what Rick was doing. Um, he goes, but then later on, he goes, I didn't get his last name. He didn't catch my name as Dancer. And then when he did... He got it. He said, then that, that song by the killers came to my mind. And if you haven't heard this song, most of you have, it's very iconic. It's, um, are we, you know, it's basically, are we human or are we dance? Are you a dancer? And so the song goes, um, I did my best to notice when the call came down the line, 
are we human or are we dancer? My sign is vital, my hands are cold, and I'm on my knees looking for the answer. <clears throat> are we human or are we dancer? And then he says the kindest thing in this letter. He says, <clears throat> I heard that even in English native speakers, this song remains ignamic. Uh, for a long time, I doubted if I got the words right because it made no sense to me. Are we human or are we dancer? I hope someday somebody will explain it to me. But one thing I know for sure, Rick is dancer and Rick is human. Um, and I so I looked it up and here's what happened. An American journalist came up with this, Hutter Thompson had written, this is where they think that song came from. Um, and he wrote in the article, America is raising a generation of dancers afraid to take one step out of line. Doesn't that define our culture right now? <clears throat> a whole line of dancers uh, listening to the company line, listening to whatever anybody tells them, and then going with that instead of doing their own research. And so I thought, God, I don't want to be a dancer. Um, I don't want to be that guy who's dancing around issues and around life. Um, I want to be a human, you know? Um, I'm listening to Jordan Peterson today talking and he's saying, you know, because life is hard. I mean, life is really hard. And um, and it's filled with, you know, heartbreaking moments and, and it's 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 difficult and people are difficult. So you got to find your thing and just go with it. And I think today a lot of people just are afraid to do that. They're afraid to dream. And he, I, I don't know where this guy comes from in terms of, I know what people say about him and I don't buy it. But he said at one point, he goes, you know, the Bible's full of really great um, analogies on how to live your life. He says, like Jesus, he picks up his cross and go on the journey, you know? So we all have a cross to bear. And uh, a lot of us have more than one. And you, but, but people are afraid to pick it up. Um, so, and, and, and yes, Jesus got help. Um, you know, somebody came up and to his rescue and helped him pick up that cross and helped him bear that cross. But you can't expect that. And it's almost like we live in a culture that expects that people are um, going to help them. And we should, you and I should be looking for people. And I do in my life. I'm always looking for people um, that that I can reach out to. But you as a person can't expect somebody to get you to the end of the road. It's not going to happen. And I think that's what scares me. I guess it doesn't scare me. That's what concerns me about our culture today is we are creating a bunch of dancer and we don't have enough people who are just human. So we have expectations and we want somebody to do it for us. And it just doesn't happen that way. Um, I wrote down, I'm a dancer who refuses to dance the dance. And in the end, I'm finding out that I am human. Um, the only dan dancer I, the only dance I will do is the one that makes me come alive. Um, and I think that's kind of where I'm at, where I'm looking at with this is, um, who can you help? Whose life can you be a part of? But in your own life, what kind of decisions are you going to make that are going to get you beyond, uh, being stuck? Cause I think all of us feel stuck from time to time. I mean, I feel stuck from time to time and you can't back away from the conversation all the time. It's really tempting. <clears throat> I mean, over the weekend, I posted something that we're going to be doing um, on a billboard, a couple of things we're going to be doing on a billboard. 
And one of them is um, supporting our local police. And you would think that I set, uh, I was setting the world on fire. Um, <clears throat> some of the response that I had uh, from that. And, um, you know, here's the deal. We can, we can agree to disagree, but you can't anymore. But, but we should be able to agree to disagree. And we don't have to be on the same page on, <clears throat> on all these different things going on in our culture. But I think the worst thing you can do is try to put somebody, in, and I get this a lot, is trying to, okay, so then if you said that, then you must be this. It's not how it is. Some lady accused me. We have um, a friend of mine, Derek. Uh, he's a black man, and he's in one of these billboards with us, and it's in the picture. And a woman came on and had the audacity to say, um, oh, what'd you do? Just go find the guy on the street and put him on there. And it was like, and I was like, what? That, I mean, that's kind of racist. <laughs> you know what I mean? I said, no, he's a friend of mine. And people don't do their homework. They just start labeling you. And um, hold on. Here's Royce has got something on here. I like to reach out and support fellow addicts in recovery and those who need it and seeking help. I'll tell you what, Royce. That's where I've learned the most in my life is in the addiction community because um, I have a lot of friends <clears throat> in this community. And you guys will do anything for anybody. Why is that? Why is that that I find the poorest people are the most generous people. I did a guy in a store, a guy named Bill, and he gave sleeping bags to these homeless folks um, at Christmas time one year. And, um, and I said to him, you know, what do you have? He goes, nothing. I said, are you, uh, you live on, you know, assisted living food stamps to the Oregon trail card? Yeah. So you don't have anything and you live paycheck to paycheck, literally. And you went home when you saw these people in need and you got sleeping bags and you gave. There's rich people in this town. There's middle-class people in this town that would not even do that. And I said, why? And he said, because I know what it feels like. Brian says, to share what I've been learning and alien bill rights is really a thing. It really is. It's not partisan. It's just as liberty is the intersection of freedom and morality. The price for liberty is to remain ever vigilant and protected. We've been too complacent and we are starting to realize this. It's an individual that a responsibility is. Good thoughts. I agree with you, Brian. I think, um, you know, I think people twist the word freedom now and they try to make it, hi, Donna. They try to make it so that it's a bad thing uh, to be concerned about your freedom. Um, that does, what that does not mean is that we care about our freedom more than we care about people who are dying or getting sick. It doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is we're looking at the bigger picture and down the road. I mean, I'm already noticing people who um, in the stores um, are afraid to take off their masks, even when in stores that they'll, they'll allow them to. Um, because we have been there in the trenches and once you find recovery, you present it in life. So Royce, <clears throat> man, I wish if I sent you a link, would you come on here? <clears throat> um, I do need your email, um, but I guess you could email that to me or is that bad? Um, I'd love to talk with you on here. 
um, if you're willing. Those with less know how to help because we know what it is like to not have what we need. I, I, I believe you, Tracy. I'm not going to pretend that I'm in that place in my life. Uh, bless all who give, even though they may not have very much. <laughs> Hi, Lynn. Good to see you, too. Um, yeah, if, if Royce, if you want to do that, I would totally talk with you. I can bring you up on here really easily. Uh, so why is that? Um, it is a thing I do when I am able because it feels good to help. And Donna, I think that's great. Here's a question I have, and this is not directed at you, okay? But you know what I think what the best time to help is? When it doesn't feel great. You know what I mean? This is just me, and I'm Donna, I am not putting this on you. There's nothing wrong with something feeling great, but I think then what we do in American culture is we start doing it because it feels good. Well, helping people sometimes is shitty. And, and sometimes it doesn't feel good. Oh God, dude, you're going to do it. Okay. Um, hold on. Okay. I got to figure out how to do this. Okay. So let me, let me go on here. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Hold on. You guys, this is just the way these shows go. Here's how we're going to do it. S-A-V-O-Y. Um, Royce, you need to have uh, Google Chrome up uploaded on your computer. I hope you do at Yahoo. Okay, let me do something. So you guys, we're going to see if this will work here. Hang on. We're going to send S-A-V-O-Y family four at Yahoo.com. Okay, I think that'll work. Let's see if it happens. Okay, Royce, that should come to you and you just follow the directions on there. Um, I love celebrating recovery. My life has changed since being in recovery. Um, I just love all your lives. Oh, all my lives, okay. Well, thank you. Um, so, we're gonna see, Leota, I know what you're saying, it's just talked about, compassion. And see, and, and I think one of the things that's really getting to me is that there's so many people trying to paint a nasty picture of people who don't agree with them, you know, or put you in a certain camp um, where you don't belong. I don't, I don't want to be in any camp. Um, I don't want to be a Republican or a Democrat. And then people will come on and make fun of you because they say, oh, yes, you are. Um, you're, you are too. You're this, you're that. You know, and I think you have to get to this point in your life <clears throat> where you really understand who you are. And I guess maybe that's why um, Matthias, this gentleman from Germany, and his comments are so overwhelmingly awesome to me because um, it gives me like a fresh start. You know what I mean? I, f I feel like I've been kind of getting in a rut and I'm tired and I'm and irritated. Rick, remember you helped me through the scammer using your picture. I sent things for Nathan. Oh, I remember a political atheist. Exactly. And, and, and it's, I, it's like listening to that still small voice to figure out what it is that we're supposed to be doing. And I think the hard thing right now is that the, the current is against you. Um, exactly. Rick, I'm me and you are you. It's, and it's like, if people remember, we used to just, that was kind of the cool thing about, 
being human and living in the same neighborhood with people is everybody didn't think the same way, but we weren't accusing people. Um, I have never seen so much rudeness um, in my life online. Um, it's a, it's a, I didn't have to work here. It's a terrible little place. Now, let me tell you um, what we, I've got a super cool little story tonight for you um, on a, a young man I met many, many years ago. And his name is George Beverly. And at the time he was like four or five and he could not even utter a few words. He had very little vocabulary. Uh, is on the autism spectrum. And um, at that time, it was kind of hit and miss at what was going to happen. Then I saw his mom posted something on Facebook the other day, a picture of him, and I'm going, oh, my God, that's George? So I got a hold of her, and they're going to be on our show tonight um, talking. I'll show you the old story, and then we'll see what um, what George's life is like now. But he was on like a cross-country runner or something. And I didn't think this little boy was going to be able to do very much. And it surprised everybody and surprised me. I'm looking to see if my man is on here. I wish they'd let me play um, that song or the killer song. But so many are too quick to pass judgment. Yeah. And I think we all do that, you know. But, you know, I think there's also a point where I don't mind... I wonder, I wonder what the difference is between passing judgment on someone and just making an assumption. Because if you judge me for saying something, maybe that's okay. Maybe I don't care. But when you take and twist my words and start going, well, you must be this or you must be that if you said this, um, that's when it starts getting really nasty. And, and there's a whole move out there. Uh, and I think, um, you know, I, I guess what I'd ask, you know what I'd ask you, what have you learned about yourself from COVID? Like what, what have you learned? Um, because I think it makes us all have to really look at ourselves and say, who am I? And one of the things um, <clears throat> I've learned is that um, I really, uh, I really question everything. And I always have. Uh, but I didn't know to what extent by this. And I think I'm, I'm, I actually am finding um, that I'm, I'm more courageous than I thought I was. Because um, I, think, I think if I'm really honest with you, and I will be, and because people will use this against me anyway, and it doesn't really matter. Um, but I think that, um, I think I spent a lot of years dancing, being a dancer uh, my whole life. And... You know, in news, you have to be the certain person people want you to be. In, uh, in television, you have to be the certain person people want you to be. Running for political office, you have to be the certain person you want to be. You have to have a sense of responsibility for yourself. Brian, thank you. That's exactly. I'm responsible for me, not you. Um, I love that. Okay, here he is. Royce. Hey there. How you doing, dude? Hang on, I gotta turn my mic back up. Okay, we got you on. You were fast, dude. Hey, thanks. So tell me your story. Tell me why. Tell me. I'm doing great. Moved out here to Utah. Live with my ex-wife. It's like a one of those. It's one of those situations where we're uh, you know just kind of raising our grandkids together. You know, so 
So are you in recovery? Yes. So tell me about that. How, what's, what, what's that about? Well, it's been seven months and we're, uh, we know it's just, I, I moved out here, uh, the week of, uh, Christmas and, you know, I came out here to visit and I, you know, saw out here, you know, I'd just been recently like clean three weeks and went back to work and I'm like, wow, you know, I mean, but here I am living in this quad on campus and it was just very lonely. And so I came out here to visit my grandkids and my ex-wife and she needed some help out here. And I came out here and, you know, just kind of became, you know, part of the family again and just really feeling like, you know, full of purpose and just, you know, being present in people's lives again, you know. So how, why is that important to have a sense of purpose? Well, it's because like if you're just, I mean, a lot of addicts, you know, we we think if we're only hurting ourselves, then that's no big deal. But, you know, once you, you know, you're present in people's lives again and like with your grandkids and your family and things like that, you're feeling loved again. You know, it's like that becomes, you know, something purposeful and meaningful in your life, you know, and it's, you know, it's great. And when I see, you know, what I meant, it's like helping people out and stuff, you know, you'll see somebody on like Sober Crew or sobriety G's, which is a couple Facebook pages that, you know, are reaching out and need help, or they just celebrated their first week or their first day or 20 years, you know what I mean? Encourage them and, and reach out and, you know, show them support as a recovery community. You know, when I started there three weeks ago, we started out with 8,000 8, members. Now we're almost 20,000 on Sober what, that, so, what does that tell you? That just tells us that we got strength in numbers and we have a, you know, a great community out here for people that want it. Are you, are you courageous? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> does that feel good to say? It does very much so. And to, and to feel, you know, just totally loved and by my family and, and my grandkids and, and just, you know, being able to, you know, be present in their lives is, Beyond, you know, it's beyond words, man. <laughs> you kind of sound like you're choking up there a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Do you, um, a friend of mine said one time, this just recently, and it kind of changed the way I see things in certain stuff. He said, you know, I found a wife or a partner um, who is, who doesn't need me, but she wants me. Absolutely. Yeah. That kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and here's another piece of the puzzle, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I, I grew up in group homes and foster homes and had a really rough childhood. So, and the grandkids' mom, you know, we're their primary care providers right now because her moms have an issue, their moms have an issues. So we stepped up and, you know, it's just amazing to be able to do that, you know, and, and also show them, you know, I mean, and give them that support that they did. I didn't have growing up, you know. So, so, so if you go back and you talk, you had a conversation with 10 year old Royce, <laughs> what would you yeah. say? What would you say? This is a lot of the same things that I'm telling them now, you know, I'm telling them, you know, I'm, I'm not, I don't have all the answers, but the thing is, is I'm going to tell you what doesn't work. <laughs> you know, what, um, what would you say to yourself? Stay in school and pursue your dreams. You know, if you had that little boy sitting in front of you right now, yeah, and he's getting passed from home to home mm -hmm. to home to home, 
would you tell him, you know, you will find love. Yeah. You will find people who care about you. That was difficult, you know, because I was really choosy and I was very manipulative and just I had a lot of issues and, you know, I just finally, you know, I mean, I it, it, it jived around 16 or 17. I finally ended up being placed in a place that I really liked, but it took nine years in doing so because, I, you know, I'm not going to not going to lie. I was a little butt. So, <laughs> but and not to give you an excuse because, yeah. but you had yet yet shit in your life. Yeah, I mean, how, can you not, how can you not be a little butt? Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, alcohol. My mom was a cocktail waitress. Dad was a bartender. You know, I mean, we had like it was entertaining adults all the way up until I was seven years old. I mean, constantly and just so yeah. So, so how long have you been clean now this time? Uh, it's been seven months uh, since November 15th of 2020. So it's very, very close. It's like six, seven months. So I don't count the days, you know, I mean, I don't like to get caught in that little cycle, yeah. but I'm just, I'm, you know. And, and I don't mean this in a religious standpoint, but do you understand when I was talking earlier that it's like, you know, I think it's almost like Jesus's story, like picking up a cross yes, absolutely. And, and, and taking it's your journey. And don't you yeah. think we spend too much time, Royce, waiting for somebody to come, a superhero to come help us, when in yeah. fact you are your own superhero? Yeah, we're in charge of our own destiny. And like, like in as addicts, you know, I mean, I there's a lot of issues that in Eugene and stuff that kind of, you know, I, I, that's the reason why I moved to Utah. The geographical change and everything. It just yes, I mean, it, there's a lot of, I do, um, you know. Uh, what are the issues in Eugene? What do you mean? Is it is it's just it, like, you know, the homeless, the, the addiction, I mean, decriminalizing, you know, a lot of things, you know. So that doesn't help. I thought decriminalizing drugs was supposed to help. I thought that's why we were voting <laughs> for that. Yeah, As a, no. a former drug addict, is that okay to call you? I'm going to say a former yes. drug addict. Yeah, you're, absolutely. You're telling me that that doesn't work? No, I, you know, I mean, putting, you know, a bunch of people into prison and things like that, you know, I mean, it's, I have very mixed emotions as far as that goes. Yes, there's people that belong in prison that, you know, I mean, do drugs and contribute to like the theft in society and everything. But you know what, hey, um, but there are, you know, you need it, you know, you either you got to want it and, you know. So you can't, know. you can't encourage. You know what I mean? I, I, I love what you're saying because I think you're 100% right because every person I have in my life, and I have quite a few um, yeah. uh, people who are, and I don't even like to say recovery because if you've been done, if you've been out of it for seven months, that isn't recovery. That means you did it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can slip up, but so can yeah. I. I mean, all yeah. of us, but I, I sometimes wonder, I think the recovery thing is kind of bullshit because it's like, yeah. you know, it, it, it strings, you're always an addict. And I understand the idea, mm -hmm. but, but no, you're not. I mean, that's like saying, I don't have to live in that. It, it feels like a trap. You know what I mean? Like a label, like, hi, I'm Royce. I'm an addict. Yeah. I always well, will relapses, relapses are up here planned way more in advance than when it actually happens. You know I mean? You that builds up in your mind and it's it's one of those things that kind of just it's a snowball effect you know it's from a reaction or something exterior in your life that's going on that triggers something in your head and then after a while you know i mean it just takes a while for it to come out so, you know, right. so you, oh, i'm sorry go, go ahead, ahead. 
So I'm just saying you need to you know you need to be prepared for things like this and recognize your triggers and work through that stuff and and be able to like discuss it with somebody and be open, you know, about your wants and needs and you know communication that, that stuff. That's all you know. I mean, it's it's a must in recovery of any sort, you know. So if you were going to develop a program to help people in Eugene Springfield, because you're not here anymore, but you're going to look at it, is what we're doing doesn't appear to be working. So what would what would you suggest that we do? I worked at Buckley for a year at the sobering desk, and we did, you know, like uh, that coming in where they would sober up for four to six hours, offer them a place to crash out, you know, I mean, have the soup and some crackers and stuff to, you know, get them a little more nourished out of the cold something like that. And another thing that I absolutely, these guys do not get paid enough is cahoots and they're awesome. You know, yeah. I mean, more programs like that, that, you know, I mean, you're in the field and you're in the trenches and you're like, you know, giving these people, you know, I mean, some immediate help for their, you know, immediate needs. So where do you draw the line? And I'm asking, um, I'll probably get lambasted as my mother used to say for this <laughs> comment, but you, you know, that comment, um, but yeah. where do you, where would he, where do you draw the line where you're helping people and you're assisting them? Yeah, you know what I mean, that's a tough one. I mean, there's, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of enablements out there too. If that's, you know, kind of what you mean, it's, you know, I, that's tough. You know what I mean? It's hard, it's hard because you don't want to <laughs> enable people. And then you look under the Jefferson street bridge and it's like, there's yeah. like a hundred tents down there. Yeah. But people, you've been there. So that's different. That's why it's so difficult for me to, you know, and that, that's why I just say, you know, I mean, in, in a way of offering like Buckley now, they, they, you know, they no longer have that sobering room. They have like a few individual cells now and it's like not the way it was because of COVID, you know, and it's just a little, you know, just a little spot like that, kind of like the station and, and, in 99, you know, I mean, but, you know, somewhere downtown Eugene that they can utilize to get a, you know, a cup of hot soup and a, and a cough for the night or something, right. you know. So there's nothing, your, I mean, we, there's plenty of volunteers and stuff like that. And there's plenty of people in the community that are willing to give to something like that. So Are you, are you still tempted to go back? No, I actually, I've been, you know, I've been down there a couple times and once was recently in February to, um, clean my storage out and do a court appearance and I couldn't get out of there fast enough because, you know, I just feel like I've, I've, I'm home now with my family and stuff. So, so you, and there's, it's for personal reasons, you know, I'll visit there to be like, and go hiking and things like that, that I like to do outdoors, but I don't want to move back there now. So the, the courageous part on your part is that you had the courage to leave what you had left, you left it behind. And that yeah. meant for you, not just mentally and spiritually, but you had to physically exit yes. yourself from that place. That, yeah, takes, and I, that is guts, though. But that takes guts. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it really does. You know, I mean, it's there's a lot of things that I sacrificed to come out here. And, you know, I mean, and you have to also know that when you come to Utah, that you're done. This is a heavily police state. It's a red state. They don't. You know, a lot of the laws are different. A lot of the stuff isn't tolerated here like it is in Oregon. And you so, just have to know that, you know, I mean, when you come here that you're going to, you know, I mean, if you screw up. So is Oregon too tolerant of? I would say so, yeah. I mean, it's, yes. <laughs> and that makes it easier for people to get addicted. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, it's it just when you allow that to happen, I mean, look at, 
the domino effect and and yes it's it's way different you know i'm like they don't tolerate that shit here drug crimes and things like that i mean you can leave i mean out here in our bike rack there's thousands of dollars worth of bikes and they're they've been there for six months you don't see that in eugene so it's because they don't tolerate that type of behavior and when they arrest somebody they know that they're you know i mean that's probably not wise to do that again here because they lock you up for a while so if you were to come back here and talk to civic leaders in oregon and eugene springfield would that be your first piece of advice is to stop tolerating and and to help people and stop tolerating i don't know yeah and it, i don't I know like i said it's it's a really it's a tough subject you know i mean because i you know i i you know when i'm clean i don't think like a criminal you know i mean i like to have my shit protect i mean stuff protected you know i mean i like to know that when i go drive my car somewhere it's not going to get there go to hike a trail or whatever it's not going to get you know the window bashed out of it my stuff stolen or whatever you know i mean that's really sad man and if addicts are out there doing that you know i mean there's got to be a, at some point there's got to be a, a you know you have to be accountable for that stuff because people you know work hard for that stuff so Period. who has to be accountable to, we each have to be responsible is that that's really what changed for you wasn't it you became responsible yeah. for your life yeah, just being accountable you know i mean <laughs> and and having living with integrity and finally i mean it's just it feels great are you happy i am very happy yes you look super happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome out here. I'm, I'm blessed. You know what I mean, so. Well, Royce, thanks for having the guts to come on here. Somebody already said it. They yeah. go, God, that guy's brave to come on there. And, yeah. and do all I haven't seen the comments, but I'm going to check them out here in a bit. So, yeah. Well, thanks back. for having me, Rick. Hey, love oh, you, Nick. I hope you're watching. Nick Salisby, my brother. You know, oh, so. I love that man, too. He's he's yeah. around here somewhere. They'll be, they'll be showing up. All right. All right. Man. Bryce, thanks, yeah, man. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, see you later. So um, that's a very brave man. Um, and Brian says, that's sobering to hear about Oregon. I love Oregon, too. Yeah. It, you know, it's just it, it's a hard conversation. And I think that we need to have um, maybe we need to define in our world or our, our at least sounds like in Oregon. It sounds like Utah is doing something different. But maybe in Oregon, we need to somebody brought this up once and, you know, I'll take crap for it too, but is it compassionate to allow people to suffer in their addictions? Is it compassionate to allow people to live the way that we're doing this? Um, is that compassion or is that just feeling sorry? And when people feel sorry for people often, I mean, there's a lot of agencies that don't feel sorry and they are keeping people accountable. I get that. But as a community, do we have a standard? Do we have something that we're setting, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, to, to say, here's an acceptable standard because we want you to help be able to take charge of your life. And there's a lot of people out there with mental illness that can't. So we need to get the help. Like he said, cahoots, those kind of organizations. But at some time, instead of beating up each other for having this conversation or bringing up points like this, because I'll get beaten up for this. And, but we need to have that conversation because um, it's not getting any better. In fact, it's getting much, much worse. And um, so here you have people who are, formerly in the addict addict community saying this isn't working legalizing drugs this isn't working it's a form of enabling them and instead if we truly want to help then we need to get those mental health services back <clears throat> we need to get people 
out there. Get more organizations like Cahoots funded. Uh, NAMI, we're going to have a show this week on NAMI, people, people suffering with mental illness and stuff. We need to just not shove them out on the street and be actually doing something for them. But we also can't enable bad behavior. And um, because, or you can, but this is what happens. And uh, enabling compassion is not healthy. Uh, yeah, because I don't really find it to be compassion. Um, you know, loving people is tough. It's hard. And it means you have to set a standard. You don't just love at it. I mean, love is an action word, so you have to do something. You can't just say, I love this. I mean, if you, if you see the problem, then go help take care of it. But don't just keep letting it go on. And maybe that's the conversation we need to have as a community. Maybe that's one of the good things that comes out of COVID. We're starting to see what makes a good community and what we've been just kind of lackadaisical about and letting happen. I hope. Um, I want something positive to come out of this, um, truly. So again, tonight, another positive story. George Beverly, um, you're going to love this man. Formerly a kid, now a man, and I think it'll really touch you. Take this, share it on your page if you would. Uh, let people know um, there's hope. You know what I mean? And um, we can't do this. We really can't. We just have to stop badgering each other, and it will start. <laughs> Trust me. I know.